Welcome to the Tokyo Artificial Intelligence Podcast with Mad Bigelow. I am your host on this edition of April 21st, 2020. So uh, it's looking like I'm going to be featuring three uh, what-have-yous each episode. And today we're going to get away from uh, policing. Yesterday's episode focused on facial recognition in police badge cams, I dubbed that Cops in the Cloud, and there's some other interesting um, articles there. If you're interested in that, you can give that a listen at www.matthewpmbigelow.com. For some reason, I still like throwing in the www. I don't know. Is that because I'm from that era? Am I dating myself? Perhaps I am. All right. So today we're going to focus on uh, different types of AI outside of the surveillance market, uh, surveillance capitalism market, and focus more on some research articles. And we're going to move right into it right now with number one. Number one, artificial intelligence gives researchers the scoop on ancient poop. This comes to us from smithsonianmag.com. I don't know how you feel about the Smithsonian, but... One thing you can say is that they're very well funded. And at this moment in time, April 21st, 2020, researchers in high-end occupations are really liking the idea of using AI. And if they have a lot of money, they're going to be pursuing that for some um, for some scoops you might not be uh, prepared to hear about. But we're going to do it now. So the computer program can identify canine versus human feces based on DNA sequences in samples. And I have an image here of um, 7,000-year-old poop. Uh, Each morsel of poop is about 3.5 to 4.5 centimeters long. Um, And uh, they look like um, very healthy specimens. There's very little splatter. (laughs) So let's begin. The, the description of this image in the, in the Smithsonian, as opposed to mine, is um, a 7,000-year-old dog feces from China's Anhui province. Let's begin. This is, this is April 20th, 2020, 10.50 a.m. from smithsonianmag.com. And I, I, I'm not a big fan of this style of, of, of journalistic writing where it's like, oh, it's going to be kind of, woo, we're getting a bit, we're going to be a little bit humorous here. <laughs> Are you okay with that? Everybody poops. And after a few thousand years underground, these droppings often t- start to look the same. That stool-based similarity poses something of a puzzle for archaeologists investigating sites where dogs and humans once cohabitated, and it isn't always to deduce which species left behind specific feces. So some researchers developed an AI program called CorpoID, an homage to coprolite, the formal term for fossilized feces. The program is able to distinguish the subtle differences between ancient samples of human and canine excrement based on DNA data alone. 
Applied to feces unearthed from sites around the world, the new method could help researchers unveil a trove of valuable information about a defecator's diet, health, and perhaps, if the excretion contains enough usable DNA, identity. But in places where domesticated dogs once roamed, canine and human DNA often end up mixed in the same fecal samples. Dogs are known to snack on people's poop, and some humans have historically dined on canine meat. Think about that circle of life. To capitalize on these genetic differences, a team led by Maxime Bory of Germany's Max Planck Institute for the Science of Human History trained a computer to analyze the DNA in fossilized feces, comparing it to known samples of modern human and canine stool. The researchers then tested the program's performance on a set of 20 samples with known, or at least strongly suspected, species origins, including seven that only contained sediments. The system was able to identify all of the sediments as uncertain, which makes sense because it's basically dust, right? And it correctly classified seven other samples as either dog or human, but the final six appeared to stump the program. Writing in the study, Barry and his colleagues suggest that the system may have struggled to identify microbiomes that didn't fall in line with modern human and canine samples. People who had recently eaten large quantities of dog meat, for example, might have thrown the program for a loop. Alternatively, ancient dogs with unusual diets could have harbored gut, my, my gut microbes that differed vastly from their peers or from modern samples. With more information on how diverse canine gut microbes can get, the team's machine learning program may have a shot at performing better. Copro-ID. See, the reason why Copro-ID is hard to read is because the I looks like an L, and with the C-O-P-R-O, it almost makes you want to read it corporal, because the capital I looks like a lowercase L. So when you're reading it in your mind, it makes sense, but when you read it out loud... Your tongue and your mind are, are looking for different pronunciations. Copro-ID also failed to determine the origins of highly degraded samples that contained only minimal microbial uh, DNA. With more tinkering, the method could reveal a great deal about the human history of dogs and humans alike, including the details about how the two species first became close companions. That's actually kind of interesting, wouldn't it? To see, to, to put in a whole bunch of ancient crap between humans and dogs and see where the human biome and the and the dog biome start to show similarities without um, each other's DNA getting in the way. Um, as dogs swapped the fleshy, protein-heavy diets of their wolfish ancestors for starchy human fare, their gut microbe uh, their gut microbes were almost certainly taken along for the ride. Even thousands of years after the fact, feces could benchmark this transition. Our message to the team leading the machine learning initiative, shit or get off the pot. That last sentence was my own, and I kind of botched it. So that's kind of an interesting idea is how can you expect a whole bunch of scientists to find ancient poop and then find similarities within the poop. But if you can um, categorize it in databases and then find similarities and differences, and also which samples work well and which samples don't work well to determine this type of research, uh, it can focus 
the um, researchers to find appropriate uh, ancient poop mm, instead of gathering any kind of ancient poop, which is not suitable for the current uh, technological needs and requirements to determine uh, if if ancient poop is dog or human poop. And if you are, you know, these people are pretty serious at the Smithsonian. So if you take a whole bunch of poop and some of that poop that you think was human was dog, uh, you're going to, you're going to, somebody's going to wolf down your credibility. They'll be dogging you for years about these um, uh, yelping uh, proclamations uh, that you've been scratching after on the hardwood floors of your research papers. So that's kind of a funny idea, isn't it? Look, using AI for ancient poop. Um, but, you know, I'm going to put the v- images of the samples on the website, uh, www.matthewpmbigelow.com, and you can go there to see it. And it's the samples that the Smithsonian is also um, trying to illustrate that w- the reasons why the ancient poop is so hard to differentiate from each other is because it looks similar after 7,000 years. Except maybe the splatter. All right, next one. Um, this is a, in the idea of AI, heaven, and hell. The hell is really bad. It's the all-seeing eye of Sauron determining whether or not you can uh, buy or sell depending on your credit history uh, in real time and the rules are a living document and they can change wherever they want which is pretty hellish the heaven is just very boring and this is an idea of ai heaven and this is uh, fujitsu verifies ai technology to predict vessel collision risks in maritime traffic control uh, in the past few years, there have been a few major uh, vessel collisions in the Tokyo Bay, uh, some involving naval and large shipping, um, and it mm, it's one of the busier ports in the world, and they like to keep things crystal clean, crisp and clean in the Tokyo area, and they, they don't like errors. So lots, uh, lots of investment is done into error prevention. It's part of the way things run here. Uh, you can't waste people's time. Uh, so this comes to us from Fujitsu, a uh, Japanese company. And I'm just going to read this. is kind of a press release, but I'm reading it. Uh, Fujitsu Limited has announced the results of a joint field trial with the Japan Coast Guard to predict vessel collisions with AI technology, demonstrating its usefulness in detecting collision risks early and minimizing the danger of such accidents. The trial in Japan Maritime, sorry, the the trial in Japan Marine Traffic Control was conducted from December 2019 to March 2020, leveraging Fujitsu human-centric AI Zinrai developed by Fujitsu Laboratories Limited. This technology can detect near misses between vessels and predict areas where collision risks are concentrated in the Tokyo Bay. By applying this technology to the vessel traffic services system, Uh, used in maritime traffic control operations, Fujitsu has confirmed that it can contribute to the risk prevention of vessels and improve maritime traffic safety. Continuing, 
According to a report by the Japan Transport Safety Board, there were 2,863 maritime collision accidents in Japan alone between 2019 and 2009, with an average of 286 accidents per year. The Japan Coast Guard operates a navigation support system that combines radar and the automatic identification system. However, it is not easy to recognize and predict the movements of a large number of vessels in addition to detecting risks. Um, I think that means that they can map where everybody's going, but they don't see how those can collide with each other without predictive AI. Therefore, the detection of risks and the timing of risk recommendations to vessels depends on the experience and skill of the operation controllers. To solve these challenges, the Japan Coast Guard took the initiative to apply this technology to control operations in Tokyo Bay. Okay, I got it. That, to be honest, comparing reading the previous article with the kind of hokey, it's kind of scooping the poop on the AI poop scoop poop in the um, Fujitsu one that I just read, which is more of a press release. The press release is much easier to read. It's so dry, much drier than 7,000-year-old poop. So this idea of using um, AI for predictive collision control uh, makes sense. There's a similar, on on a bit of a tangent here, there is a similar idea called the automated intersection um, and, you know, for example, when a, when a busy intersection is in operation, you have a lot of wait time. There's the people waiting on one side for the other side, from one corner to another corner, the turn left and then the turn right. And the more that the wait time increases, basically the less efficient an intersection is. So if you can automate the intersection, you'd be able to increase the, increase the flow of traffic and reduce the amount of wait time, idling time, that uh, cars would have to endure in busy intersections. One way to do this would be uh, using um, a geofencing area where when a car with a built-in sensor or control mechanism enters a certain distance away from the uh, automated intersection at a certain speed, a massive input, massive output um, 5G station would be able to take control over all of the cars uh, using micro-beaming, whatever it's called, I can't remember, micro-beaming 5G um, uh, radio frequencies. And uh, if there's 150 cars approaching the intersection, the MIMO tower at the intersection would be able to calibrate in real time Every all of the cars speed and where they want to go. Are they turning left? Are they turning right? Are they going straight? Uh, and, and 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 instead of waiting for person by person, it would the MIMO tower would be able to automate the entire process where all of the cars would slow down and speed up and and uh, move smoothly without even stopping through an automated intersection. And this. Um, solution by Fujitsu seems to be something similar to that where uh, these huge shipping containers containing hundreds and hundreds of cars, tons and millions and millions of dollars of, of product, people are waiting for it and uh, they've, they've, they, they trust the system and then when collisions happen, they lose trust in the system. So by uh, preventing collisions, you increase trust and by increasing trust, you increase investment and then uh, less time is spent on fixing mistakes and more time is spent on improving the efficiency of product moving through the lines. So that's the 
Uh, Fujitsu verifies AI technology to predict vessel collision risks in marine traffic control. And I'll be posting that as well on www.matthewpmbglow.com. And the last one for today is a brief one and with an aside. Uh, this is uh, a brief excerpt from a market report uh, from Market Watch. Uh, artificial intelligence for edge devices market size to surpass 27.9% uh, CAGR up from 2025. I can't remember what CAGR means. Concrete aggregation of general referencing. No, it has to do with um, money, profits. It's in companies' um, quarterly results. Eventually, people just call it CAGR without really remembering what it says. means, except for the accountant in the room, and the accountant in the room gets angry at everybody else because everybody's been reading the word CAGR for years. Nobody remembers it except the accountant, and everybody knows it's important, but at the same time, people are busy, and they want to check Twitter. So uh, this is from April 17th, 2020 at 11.14 a.m. Eastern Time. According to this study, over the next five years, the artificial intelligence for edge devices market will register a 27.9% CAGR in terms of revenue. The global market size will reach $6.2 billion by 2025, uh, up from $2.3 billion in 2019. The study further intends to offer a succinct analysis of the performance of the artificial intelligence for edge device market over the analysis period. Moreover, the market uh, report also provides crucial insights pertaining to expected growth rate during the forecast period, as well as the major drivers affecting the market size. The research report on artificial intelligence for edge devices market offers growth avenues and hindering factors regarding the industry vertical. So one of the reasons why edge devices are hopefully, are, are, are planning on being a major market revenue source for the 5G network is um, the edge device simplifies the data coming in from a remote location. And one of the key components of a network is data. And if everybody is, if, if all of the machines are sending um, full 8K data streams from video sources and audio sources um, through a network, and the network's going to crash because there's not enough bandwidth to do it. Uh, one of the things the telecom industries really want to do is limit the amount of data being sent through the network so that the network can operate smoothly, but the data is coded for, based on actionable results. An example of this is uh, a store that has an AI camera for security and um, gaining insights on how customers move through their store, where they like to stop, where they like to go. Maybe there's areas of the store they don't go where the store has placed high-value items. But if the camera is just constantly sending 8K 
data video streams from this source through the cloud back to an operations center, well, it's not only that shop, it might be hundreds and hundreds of shops within a two or three kilometer um, square kilometer area. Uh, so by putting edge devices into all of these shops, the, um, the camera will capture events. And if somebody is standing in front of a product for 30 seconds, for example, that can be recorded by the edge device, translated into code like C1 30 second um, in front, you know, uh, counter C or something like that. That action can then get, be converted into text, uh, very low kilobyte text sent through the cloud and converted into graphs and data on the other end. Then the customer of the of the product, the shop owner or whatever, would be able to open up their tablet and see um, what is happening in their store based on the requirements that they would determine or parameter uh, to improve sales and uh, operations of their shop. But we don't know if that's possible yet. But that's that's one of the reasons why edge devices are being promoted more and more. We need more edge compute. We need more edge compute. Basically, the network operators are terrified that uh, hundreds of millions of people are going to put 8K cameras all over their shops and expect those 8K cameras to run uh, uh, run at 8K speeds at 160 frames per second through the network where the network isn't designed for that. A machine-to-machine -machine network is based on bytes and bits. It's not based on um, YouTube where everybody can watch, you know, whatever the video it is that they want to watch in real time. Uh, there's a, there is a market for that, but it's not for the gen pop. The gen pop, they, they should have specified edge computers in their shops that gather data. And then depending on the parameters of that data, the data gets translated into code. And then that code gets translated into charts and graphs, which is then sent back to the customer's tablet or device so that the customer can understand what's happening in their shop based on data over time that they don't have to collect or, or monitor themselves. So that's one of the things. And if we look at um, Tesla, which I, I mentioned yesterday, uh, Teslas are basically mobile edge computers and IoT devices. Um, they are they are wandering around the cities and the towns. The computers in the cars are collecting actionable insights, and the IoT aspect is that the actionable insights are then translated into code and sent back to Tesla headquarters, where the engineers can then repair problems or suggest improvements or realize where their projections are falling short and then improve them based on that. So that's why the artificial intelligence for edge devices market size is expected to uh, surpass 27.9% of Kager up to 2025. Um, again, it, it, you know, we're in the middle of this corona crisis and after, maybe all the restaurants were closed and nobody wants an edge computer and they say, fuck you, edge computers, we don't need you. Uh, but we don't know. So anyways, that's the idea there. The technology is there, and it's uh, put on hold for the time being. It's trying to be implemented right now, but we'll have to see about the commercial availability for small and industry to adopt this into their business pipelines uh, based on the outcome of the coronavirus. So that's going to be the Tokyo AI podcast number four. AI poop. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. See you next time.